Stop for Our Time contains graphic and explicit content. It may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. What's your favorite scary movie? special guest back one recurring one brand new would you like yeah. to introduce yourselves yeah hi this is sundance sydney <laughs> coming back for round two Woo! and <laughs> i want to introduce our very special guest she is my partner in life and in opinions this is i know yeah i'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one sydney <laughs> uh, this was a bit that we rehearsed a little bit we um, did oh, yeah. just a little bit uh, just a little bit uh, so yeah, my name is Aino, and uh, we are recording this in my bedroom. In Finland, Ooh. Helsinki, yes. Finland, which is on the other side of the earth. Ooh. Horror Time has gone international. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> We've done it! <laughs> Stop the clock! Alright. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say partner in crime, and I was like, aha! Aha! <laughs> we haven't yet devolved into doing petty crimes, but you but know, what, I mean, that's kind of what happens when the seven-year itch hits. You start doing crime. Yeah. So. <laughs> Alright, well, since you're our guest for the week, would you like to talk about what The Fury, directed by Brian De Palma, is about? Absolutely, I would love to. <laughs> so, The Fury is about a father and son who the son gets kidnapped in an extremely vague terrorist <laughs> attack staged by the best friend of the father, whose name is Peter and his best friend Ben, played by John Cassavetes, and Peter is played by Kirk Douglas. Um, ben kidnaps his son, who has extremely special psychic powers, and he takes him to an unknown location somewhere in the Chicago metro area. And uh, Kirk Douglas takes it upon himself to rescue his son. Um, from John Cassavetes. Meanwhile, a young teenage girl uh, named Gillian discovers that she might be having the exact same kinds of powers and keeps having these weird visions about this boy she's never met, who may or may not be the same boy Kirk Douglas is looking for. Mm. That's my synopsis. That's a good synopsis. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. But I picked this movie because it's like my second favorite horror movie where John Cassavetes sucks. (laughs) Yeah, Sydney picked it because I wouldn't let us do Rosemary's Baby. So so here's the thing. So it sucks because like, it is unfortunate that like the two horror movies that John Cassavetes has done have like involved rapists somehow, but uh... Mm. I guess yeah. I allowed the fury over Rosemary's Baby because not as many people are still like cranking their hog to Rosemary's Baby, and like <laughs> not as many people are talking about the fury. <laughs> so what can you do? <laughs> I mean, I think the fu- the fury is a really great oh, yeah. horror movie yeah. in its own merit, and I didn't just pick it because you wouldn't <laughs> let me do Rosemary's Baby. Sure, but I did just want to say that it's like the second best horror movie where John Cassavetes like sucks. <laughs> I was just, like, laughing whenever he was on screen. I'm just like, that's Sydney's boy. <laughs> that's my... That is my eternal husband in heaven. And I love him so much. But he is so nasty in this movie. Um, he's nasty. Are you nasty? He's a nasty boy, but that's okay. Um, yeah. I, lo- I love how extra he is about his arm injury. Like, it's, like, 11 months later and he still has his arm in a sling. Like, it hurts! He's like, like, it's dead! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's dead. Why do I still feel it? It's like, I don't know. Okay. Like, maybe you should talk to a therapist about that and not like. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who um, knows? Elle, was this your first time watching this movie? Yeah, it was. It was Ino's um, first time too. Oh my god. Wild movie. Yeah. <laughs> Whack. God. No, yeah, when he had, when uh, John Cassavetes had his arm in the sling, like, and it was kind of far away, uh, I thought his hand had turned black, and I'm like, dude, that's pretty dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a leather glove. And, um, 
No, I just like I was like he's gonna be Michael Shannon in the Shape of Water with his blacking oh fingers. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh no, but no, it was just a glove. Um, but no, yeah, the entire time I was watching it, I'm like, why couldn't they have switched the roles so I could cheer on John Cassavetes finding his son? <laughs> I mean, you still can, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like we have said, me and Sydney said, it's like, you know, he's looking for magic kids in all the wrong places. That's basically <laughs> the plot of the movie, if you think about it. <laughs> With those magic kids. Yeah, that, there's a lot of magic kids in this movie. It's like Hogwarts, you know, but like... <laughs> They instead they just kill people, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more blood. There are other kids at that school that Gillian's at, right? Because then they're yeah. acting like she's the only one with actual powers or something. Like, yeah, there are other kids really at strong. the at the school. So like, just for the listeners, uh, Gillian discovers that she has like psychic powers from like this really like vague train test where you have to move a train <laughs> with your brain, and so then she goes to this like school where you can learn. Um, to like hone your abilities but like the, it's not really a plot twist it's revealed that John Cassavetes runs that institute and he's looking for someone to with the same power to sort of like replicate what Robin the son of Kirk Douglas has and so yeah. it, it, it's revealed that she has like power on that level mm-hmm. um, so he quickly takes an interest in her uh, he's looking for like a daughter to adopt alongside his mm-hmm. like adopted kidnapped son Robin. <laughs> I want my magic kidnapped family <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's just taking kids from all over the yeah. inverted trope of found family is kidnapped family yeah it's like a twist on a found family it's like I'm a goth dad and you are the children that I have stolen <laughs> God. um yeah, I think the other kids at the school were like, I guess she did, they didn't have the same level as Skillion did with their powers because they seemed to be pretty chill. And every time she started having a vision, she like accidentally like grabbed someone. They started bleeding, and it just yeah, got yeah. worse and worse every time. So it's like, and then just at the end, she just makes John Cassavetes explode. So you know, yeah, spoilers like that. <laughs> Ain't no spoilers going into this. That. Uh, the most notable sequence in the film. God. John Cassavetti's head explodes from how many angles was we it? We gotta let get, get into that later on, but I have to tell you, <laughs> we counted the angles. Oh my god. And his head is shot exploding from like 15 different god. angles. Yeah. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen done completely seriously. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was just like, how god. long is this gonna keep happening? It's like, more angles. Yeah. And I was like, this ending? <laughs> When does it God end? bless De Palma. Oh my God! Like I've watched this in Raising Cain this month, and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. He just likes doing that. What if he just <laughs> his head just did that? It wasn't a movie thing. That's like, how he John died. John Cassavetes' head just really exploded yeah. like 15 times. Or it was that's the dedication? That's how. That's how much of a method actor he is. <laughs> yeah. Or the cat in the hat meme with the baseball bat. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> and the cat in the hat is Brian. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Ready to just fight pony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh goodness. Um so then we, I had I found an article amazingly enough about this kid that um thinks he has psychic powers. Uh his name was Anthony. He is a 10-year-old in Massachusetts. This was back in 2009. Everything else was just like, does your child have psychic powers? Here's how you can find out. Um, <laughs> or just like spiritual healing and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, I'm looking for children who are like, I was in a past life and shit like that. So, found one. Um, he was 10 years old at the time. Uh, he was just, you know, normal little kid. Um, but then, in about 2004, he began saying he was having experiences that set him apart from his peers. Uh, he began to communicate with people he had never met and people he like will never meet ever. And he said he was communicating with the dead. Uh, his mom, Lisa, said that he started appearing in their bedroom at night when he was five years old. And when she asked him why he wasn't sleeping in uh, his room, he was always saying, I don't know, Mom. I'm hearing voices and people are talking to me. And it's just, like, loud and noisy in there. Um, so, uh, as unusual as that may seem, uh, other children and young teens across the United States have been saying that they've had paranormal encounters or psychic powers. 
Uh, they can see phantoms or spirits, and they can talk to them. Uh, the accounts are so remarkable, apparently, that the adults around them, skeptical at first, uh, would become entirely convinced. So, in contrast with Anthony, a boy named Pablo, who was 14 years old from Peria, uh, Arizona, said that he was terrified by his disturbing supernatural visions, which began when he was four years old. Uh, he's since then learned how to partially manage them, although they do stay occasionally appear. Uh, he says they were like people who were injured, scarred, and sometimes even armless or legless, and they would just be floating or walking around or just staring at you. So he's compared it to living in a horror film. I'm like, holy shit. Um, his mom, Crystal, would have him draw pictures of them, and they were just disfigured beings just around him. So he, at school, he would tuck himself under desks to hide from the ghosts, and in the middle of the night, he would wake up, like, screaming at faces from the bedroom window. Um, he was a little suicidal from this uh, experience because of the emotional pain that he was going through. Um, and his father, who was a truck driver, had no idea how to help his son. Uh, they turned to doctors for answers, and many diagnoses were handed out, you know, like mood disorder, bipolar disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, um, and the drugs that they gave him only made him, like, sleepy or nauseous. So they would tell him, like, he's crazy, and just put him on medication. So I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> this is the opposite of helpful. Uh, so Pablo today sleeps with crystals near his bed, since he believes that they protect against visiting uh, spirits. So, and then now we're going back to Anthony, uh, because his parents also struggled with how to respond to his apparent psychic abilities. Uh, his dad was skeptical, and he thought he was, like, bullshitting him. And I'm just like, children are not very good at bullshitting you when they're really young. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know children, they will tell everything on their mind, and just, they don't know how to lie. Not yet, anyways. Um... So, one morning, he told his mom a story that he had a dream about her grandparents, and he never met them because they had passed away before he was born. Uh, he said, I had a dream about Nani and Bumpa. He said they were playing cards, and she hit him upside the back of the head, and that was just an enduring thing that my grandmother used to do to my grandfather all the time. Uh, and her, his mom was just like, how'd you know that? And just, how'd you find that out? And he just had a dream about it. Um, Whoa. So, in 2009, he attended the Spirited Children's Summer Day Program in Norfolk, Massachusetts, which is a camp for intuitive kids with special gifts, um, and so he made a lot of friends there, and, Aww. yeah, it was just like, oh, people who understand, like, let's just not, like, shove you full of drugs, uh, so they went there, uh, so those are some kids that have experienced psychic abilities, possibly, um, so do you want to hear the six traits of a psychic child? Sure. <laughs> is this a checklist? Absolutely. This is yes. a little checklist. It's called not clickbait. <laughs> Get your pens ready, Get everyone. the pen ready. <laughs> um, if your child is extremely sensitive and empathetic to others, it's a good sign that they could hold spiritual gifts. Um, if they speak about imaginary friends, which, oh, I wish that was me, uh... Mm. They may be communi communicating with your spiritual guide, because instead of it just being, like, you know, the normal level of imaginary friends, it's like, oh, who are they, what do they look like, and if they're, like, describing people that existed before, but they've never seen pictures or something of it, it's like, okay, different. Um, number three, a past life. Uh, they've, there's always been stories going around of children saying, oh, I died somewhere, and then they go there and they, like, describe exactly, like, what it looked like and how it was without have never been there before which is like i think that's like oh my that's creepy to me. i'm just like no thank you uh number four a strong <laughs> love for animals so psychic children love them because they give off strong energy and positive vibes um and gifted children are drawn to the energy animals bring and many times it makes them extremely loving compassionate and with those kind of spiritual guides and those animals, it, they make them rarely misbehave or complain. So it's like, just, just give them a pet, it's okay. Uh, they have trouble sleeping because of the uh, experiencing nightmares or vivid dreams. Um, so if they keep waking up from nightmares, they're probably psychic. And six, creative is a strength. So if it sounds like your children 
help them embrace the strength so that they're very creative. They're probably psychic, as we all know. <laughs> By this list, I should be psychic, but... <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I had one dream I Maybe remember you are. once. Uh, nice. Probably. Uh, there was a motorcycle parked across this uh, parking lot uh, from my house, and I had that dream when I was, like, ten, and then, like, six years later that same motorcycle was right where I thought it was in my dream so and I have keep having deja vu moments with like I was like holy shit this feels extremely familiar and I think I think I had a dream about this like so many years ago but I haven't had one of those in a while yet so who knows maybe I am maybe we're all a little psychic whoa dude well I I, <clears throat> I got a new tarot deck wow. not to be that white girl but I got a new tarot I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I was looking at it with my friend, and she's like, pull a card just to see, like, the vibe. And I got the ten of coins, and she's like, oh, that means you're gonna be prosperous. And then that night I won that, uh, that yeah. dead post just signed by Sam Raimi. I'm like, what? Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, this is gonna be a dumb question. Because, like, there's a difference between, like, psychics, like, telepathy and telekinesis, because... The, the kids in this seem to have both. Like, is that... Are they interchangeable, usually? Because usually something... Like, the subject matter, at least, will focus on just one. Like, like Matilda couldn't read minds. Or, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that should be the episode title. <laughs> Matilda, <laughs> Matilda couldn't read minds? <laughs> that we know of. We, we, I mean, you right. don't know that. <laughs> They actually get into that uh, more in detail in Matilda 2, the Revenge of Front Book. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> I want it to be real! Um, yeah, he's back with vengeance, and this time it's personal. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think the in this, um, in this movie, I think it's sort of like, well, not in very subtle terms, put that the kids are basically capable of everything oh, okay. they want to yeah. do. And uh, that's, uh, well, it's not very subtle with that, so. <laughs> nothing in this is subtle. It's not, yeah, nothing it's in this Palma. movie is subtle. Absolutely. But that's why it's great. Yeah. Absolutely nothing is subtle. Um, can I say my favorite yeah, thing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. In this movie. And it's when um, he's talking, uh, Kirk Douglas' character, Peter Sansa, is talking to the two policemen. And he says that when you see Ben, Childress, the John Cassavetes yeah. character, ask him if it was worth it for his arm, right? And the policeman asks him, like, what happened to his arm? And then Kirk Douglas, completely seriously, turns to the camera and says, I killed it! <laughs> that to me is the funniest thing in the world because he just, I was like, I can't believe this movie for real. I cannot believe this was made seriously. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that the movie that Brian De Palma made before this yeah. was Carrie, oh, yeah. and I don't think that movie did very well when it first no. came out, and so this really feels kind of like, what if Carrie, but with like more genre, yeah. which like, is more and action, like bigger name, bigger and name stars, more. I know that was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, Carrie yeah. 2.0. Um, <laughs> So, so if you, yeah, it's kind of like Carrie 2, Electric Boogaloo. Well, yeah. and Carrie like, 2 is the rage Carrie 2, so this has to be called something else. Fine. But, like, it feels more like, like, when you look at it through that lens, it kind of makes yeah. more sense. Because when you first watch it, you're like, what is this? This feels like three different yeah. movies kind of, like, yeah. It does, like, it, like, changes together. protagonists, like, midway through. Yeah. Like, there's a movie that Kirk Douglas yeah. thinks he's in, and then there's the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kirk Douglas, like, runs around in swim swimming suits and everything, and it's really embarrassing for him. And we were all we were all just like, ah, oh, that's not good. Yeah, for him. he's, like, 62 <laughs> yeah. and, like, running around, like, in, like, swim... Booty shorts. Yeah, like, booty shorts. <laughs> and he's like, I'm pulling this yeah. off. Like, Please, yeah, he's not. Can, he's not. Can Tom Cruise do that in the next Mission Impossible? He's, he's reaching that I age. Wish, you know what? I wish he would. I wish he would. I want Tom Cruise to hold a couple hostage in their apartment, take all of their shoe polish, and use it to dye his already white hair yes. whiter, and then to put, like, a pillow underneath it 
<laughs> for the listeners, these are all real things Seriously. that Kurt's He's like, oh yes, like, master like, like, of really disguise. He's immediately like recognized by the people looking for him. Yeah, he's like, they're never gonna find <laughs> out it's me. I have a bag of cookies. That's what Kurt Douglas I did. Lo- like. I oh, love that God, old lady yeah. he befriended, though. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was very sweet. She's like, I hope you find your son. I hope you find your son and shoot any cops you see. And he's like, okay, thanks. He just ties up the other two in the apartment. Uh, She's like, I don't like his. She's like, I'll wait till sunset to release them. And I'm just like, (laughs) gotta watch my shows. She was the best part of that movie. I loved her. I want a whole movie about her. Yeah, she's pretty great. Well, we we great. could call this uh, Carrie one and a half, kind of like how they Ooh, did. Ooh, like Lion King. King. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Also, another great uh, Kirk line is the one where he's on the phone mm-hmm. with his girlfriend. I'm using quotes because she looks like you know yeah. his caretaker, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm just gonna be roasting Kirk Douglas the whole time, by the way. Please, That's please, fine. Yeah, he deserves it. He deserves it. That's he does right. deserve it. And he's on the phone, right? And he goes, I need your body, baby. <laughs> it's so bad. I was so confused when I watched that because I was like, what does this mean? Like, I was like, what? Yeah, I don't have the same reaction. She's like, what the hell is this? I'm what? like, it's really important for the movie. <laughs> Somehow. He has to disguise his voice by sounding like the most unattractive man in the world. I need a body, baby. <laughs> and he's like stomping on the ground, too. Like, yeah. t- so so the this the institute won't like, um, <clears throat> they won't like, they're bugging, he's, it's, it's assumed that they're bugging all the phones. So he's yeah. like trying to like contact his like hot girlfriend who works at the institute who he's like totally dating just to like get in there but she's like oh he's so nice and like we go (laughs) dancing and i'm like no girl (laughs) wasn't that that scene like right after he like plowed the brand new car into the lake and like i think he was shaking or something and he was cold i yeah i was like this this is so strange like because without context like even when it's in context it doesn't make any sense that's right yeah it kind of felt like Kirk Douglas was like, okay, I have this really great plan for an action movie. Uh, I'm the lead and the star, obviously, and I'm going to do so many cool stunts, and I'm going to be shirtless, like, half the time, and I'm going to do all these really cool, like, disguising maneuvers, and I'm going to have this really hot chick who's my girlfriend, and we're going to have sex in the back of my van, but it's going to be, like, totally romantic. And Brian De Palma was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do that. Immediately. Funded. Thank God they did not show the actual scene. They just drew back from the van at night, and then in the morning time, they just drew back to it. And I was like, thank yeah. God. I know. <laughs> would not want to see that. I don't. Yeah, no. Nobody does. No. This means that they would have had to have a conversation at some point. Like, okay, next time I need to reach you, I'm just going to call pretending to be, like, a perv. And you're going to have to know what's going on. And she's like, is that the only option? Yes. I need your body, baby, is their code word. Uh, I don't like it. Bad. And she made it sound like this has happened to her before, so, like, it couldn't even be a good plan because she's gotten calls like this before of, like, pervs on the other phone. So it's like, this doesn't work. She gets called by him and the killer from Black Christmas, and she, I'm like, I don't know who's who this time. Stick your tongue in a socket. God. So, <clears throat> sorry, Sydney. I uh, the third portion's on you for this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you want to yeah. talk about if the Fury's gay or not? <laughs> so I have like a serious answer, okay. and then I have a self-serving okay. answer. And I'm gonna start with the I'm gonna start with the serious okay. answer, which is that the thing that I really enjoy about like the horror movies that I really like is that they they really capture like. For example, mm-hmm. Carrie. Um, they really capture like these protagonists who are like going through something that's like really like it's more like mental and emotional, and they're really like isolated and facing like that like oppression from like people like in their mm-hmm. life, and the narrative really revolves around them like coming into like their own and like just you know having like some more control over their self and just like feeling like validated as a person like the thing that I really love about Carrie is that like her psychic powers are like 
a metaphor basically for like becoming mm-hmm. a woman and like just like the experience like just the inherent like trauma that being a woman inherently Mm -hmm. is and like so what I really like about the Fury is that you could easily read like these two kids having like these like really dangerous in air quotes like Mm -hmm. psychic powers like it could be a metaphor for being like gay and that like they're immediately oh yeah she's bullied at the she's bullied at that school like that yeah and she's like is that your girlfriend and they're separated and yeah yeah, and she's, like, facing, like, this really unknown thing that she knows is a part of her, and, like, she comes to terms with it yeah. pretty much right away, but she's kind of, like, scared by it, and she, like, doesn't really want her mom to be involved. Yeah. She's like, don't touch me, like, don't be around me, and, like, her whole narrative is really about, like, you know, she starts the movie as, like, this really, like, unsure, like, not very confident in, like, anything about her you know, young girl, and then she ends the movie by making John Cassavetes' head explode. That's how you she come out. Full con- she has full control over her yeah. powers at this yes. point. Like, she is so strong, and, like, now that she knows who she is, mm-hmm. she's unstoppable. And you could easily mm-hmm. read that as, like, gay. That's no, my I love serious that. answer. My self-serving, an- my self-serving answer is that Kirk Douglas... And John Cassavetes were 100% in a relationship, and they broke up, like, they were about to break up, like, Mm -hmm. in that beginning scene. Like, they're kind of like one of those couples, you know, where they've been together for, like, let's say, like, 20 years, right? And, like, let's say one of them gets a new job, and he has to go to the United States, and he's like, cool, so, like, you're gonna stay at the CIA, I'm gonna do something different, and, like, I just think, you know, our relationship's run its course, I'm gonna take our son... And I'm going to homeschool him with, like, nothing but, like, swimming contests and, like, physical strength and just, like, no real education whatsoever. And then the other partner, who's played by John Cassavetes, is like, no, we need to put our son in a real school. And then the other partner, who is Kirk Douglas, is like, no, uh, we're breaking up and I'm, I'm taking our son. And so John Cassavetes is like, cool, I'm going to be really petty and I'm going to stage a fake terrorist attack and I'm going to kidnap our son, and I'm going to enroll him in some school. And so it's really a movie about, like, two men who are just, like, not handling their breakup very well, and, like, they just, like, don't have a... They're just not on the same ground as to parenting. You know, like, Kirk Douglas is like, I'm just going to, like, be really strong and fit, and John Cassavetes is like, I'm going to steal some children. (laughs) Two kinds of parents. So, um, that's my... That's, like, the real answer. Um... But, like, I just think it's, I just, I don't know. I just, they have, like, this really weird relationship in that, like, they don't like each other, but they also are, like, so obsessed with each other. Like, like John Cassavetes spends, like, 80% of his screen time thinking about Kirk Douglas. And, and, like, he immediately transitions from beach mode to... Breakup mode, which is that like emo all black outfit that he wears, and like whenever anyone like talks to him at the institute, they're like, "So how's it going, Ben?" I'm grieving. <laughs> Can't a, you see by my outfit? I'm in over mourning. <laughs> yeah, like my boyfriend dumped me. Like, like that's just kind of how yeah. I, I see him as like going through this world, and like. So that's like that's like that's like my self-serving answer just cuz like I just think it's really funny just imagining them as like two men who were in love once and were just really <laughs> shitty at co-parenting. Just just the absolute worst at co-parenting. Yeah, it's like not we watch the Supreme yeah, Court exactly. for like, you know, about like gay adoption or something. <laughs> <laughs> Some gays don't have rights. <laughs> These two are the ones that are the <laughs> Disclaimer, I did not really mean that. Disclaimer, yeah. <laughs> Do not use my words against me. As, yeah, as oh, a yeah, gay, yeah. I'm very Word. into having rights. <laughs> but those two, those two specifically didn't deserve them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is gonna, why they both died. Are yeah. you going to talk about just how in general, like, John okay, Cassavetes is a lesbian, or is that for another time? <laughs> Yeah, so, like, okay, so if we're gonna do that now, I have this, like, theory, 
that just John Cassavetes gives off just like a really intense lesbian energy. And I think that's just mostly personified by Aww. the fact that he really yeah. loved his wife, which like I can relate to. But like Aww. also I just feel like he looks like the most butch at like all times. And like like I know he's like a cis man, but like he gives off just like really like butch lesbian vibes at all time with like his little haircut and like He's, all, I mean, in this one specifically, like, he looks so, like, emo and, like, very goth, and he looks, like, really overdramatic. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's, like, that's a lesbian right there. Or, like, you know, like, you know, you watch him in a movie, like, the remake of The Killers, where he's, like, really greasy, and he, like, works on cars all the time, and he's, like, banging the boss's girl. Like, that's a, that's a butch lesbian right there. Like, that's absolutely... That's the lesbian experience, I think, in a nutshell. But also, like, I don't know. I just, as a lesbian, I relate to him. And so, therefore, I played the lesbian card, and I have made him a lesbian. Um, so, he's actually my favorite lesbian director. Uh, and the fact that he has not, like, come into my dreams at night oh, and you know he me would. means that I think he Just approves. like Bernard approves so. of whatever the fuck we're doing with him. Yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like he would, I think he would be okay with it. I think he would find it very amusing. I hope he would find it very amusing. Um, and if he doesn't, I don't care. Um, he's dead, so. Um... <laughs> Yeah, Partial so credit. I mean, John Cassavetes is a lesbian, and in this movie, yeah, in this yeah. movie, he's just like a very dumb gay man, um, which, yeah, is so, is, which is kind of like is. the opposite of that of that whole energy. But yeah, that's my theory. Th thank you for letting me uh, just completely yeah, like yeah. use this space as my diary um, and just like talk about how much I relate to John Cassavetes and how much I wish I looked like him. Does John yeah. Cassavetes but as a get woman. pegged? So, <laughs> <is the real> <laughs> yes! Yes, absolutely, he got pegged. That was my theory. Vindication! Yeah, John got pegged. That's, that's a fact. Yeah, ask me anything. I'm an expert on John Cassavetes, and I can tell you with 100% certainty he got pegged. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Cindy could make this into a TED Talk for real. That all about John Cassavetes and this the LGBT already world. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew that's what this would be. Oh, so I'm, I shouldn't have even watched the Fury. Like, what was the point? <laughs> no, just kidding. no. I, I'm just kidding. No, I really, I, I spent, it's, it's a like, great I, movie. How dare you? Like, last year, I didn't remember it at all except for the ending. Cause like, whoa. <laughs> so I'm glad I rewatched it. <laughs> I was watching. I really love. I love. I was like mesmerized. It's quite oh, good. Uh, I was watching it on my Roku last night, and then just like almost hey. to the half point of the movie, it it was just like, nope, you're done watching it, and it kicked me out, and I couldn't get back into the Stars app. <laughs> let me in. It was just a, let me in. And it was just like John Cassavetes is too hot for this, and so right. and we've had enough. And I had to re I had to finish it this morning, uh, but I was just like, <laughs> was it telling me something? Don't watch anymore. You don't it's fine. This. You'll get it. Well, just, this time around, I just really appreciated Amy Irving's performance in it. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's really great in this movie, and just in general, but, like, Gillian yeah. isn't, like, probably the most, like, complex character of the bunch. Like, she's mm -hmm. kind of the one character with, like, a real emotional character arc. Mm -hmm. And, like, Amy Irving really, like, she like she could have easily gone like really over the top and like <laughs> like really like Ugh! like it but she doesn't like she keeps it like really like she keeps it really grounded um and she's able to hold her own against like Kirk Douglas and John Cassavetes like pretty well like and she was kind of like starting out at this point I feel like like this was kind of like the beginning of her career um and so that she can hold her own against like two of like the icons of that yeah. time in Hollywood, like, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And she, she, she wears Susie's, those shoes. Uh, Spacek, really is that well. how you say her name? Yeah, she was originally uh, considered to play uh, Gillian. Yeah. Originally. Then this, like, truly would have been a Carrie sequel. <laughs> yeah. People probably would have just assumed. It would have been like, uh, no. it literally would have been like how people think that Insidious and The Conjuring are the same movies because it's the same director and actor. No. <laughs> God. 
<laughs> yeah, I like Sissy, but I feel like it would have been a very different character and a very different movie if she had played Gillian. I also just want to, like, throw out a disclaimer to the listeners that, like, for my work uh, Halloween party last year, I did go as John Cassavetes oh, from The Fury, and oh. no one recognized who I was at all. And so I was just, like, that creep who, like, had on, like, sunglasses and was wearing all black, and, like, I only had use of one hand, so I was, like, typing with, like, one hand the whole day, and, like, I would walk really slowly, like, imitating, like, the kind of movement that he does, and it really creeped out, I think, like, most of my office, because I would, like, come up behind them really slowly, and then I'd be like, hey, and they'd be like, whoa, where'd you come from? Why are you wearing sunglasses? We're indoors. Like... But, like, two people on Twitter thought it was really funny. So, you know. Uh, it, ma- it made me watch this initially. I was like, I don't know Well, I'm, then my costume served its purpose. So, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Well, you could have just been like, oh, you fake film fans don't know. It's De Palma. Come on. And they just, like, walk it's away. It's funny because I was like, it's a De Palma film. And they were like, oh, I've yeah. literally never heard of it. I'm like, okay, loser. I had at least heard of it. I didn't- yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you even go to film school? <laughs> How do you not know who Ben Childress is? Yeah, where, was, right? where was your semester on the Fury in film school? Like, yeah. where did you go? <laughs> oh, wow. And then when I was like, it's and John Cassavetes, they're like, oh. Okay. <laughs> That's not, God, every goddamn, when we had the Criterion sale at work, and like, I'd always see bros, like, browsing it, I'd be like, you seen Mikey and Nikki? Because the need them to buy it. And they're like, oh, is that Cassavetes? I'm like, heard of him. <laughs> heard of him. Another topic on which I have several thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, yeah, that's, that's for another pod. We'll find a way. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, that movie is the epitome of the rituals are intricate. The rituals are <laughs> intricate. They're so <laughs> intricate. Like, rituals were invented by Peter Falk and Jack <laughs> There were none until that moment. <laughs> so, but that's a topic for an entirely other podcast. <laughs> the women directors podcast. Women directors podcast. I wonder if there's one out there about that. There should be. Well, I mean, there's there's Switchblade Sisters. Yeah, I was, what do you I was mean? gonna say Switchblade Sisters is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So shall we wind down? Yeah, let's wind down. So. Uh, do you know what the wind down is, Sydney? Absolutely, I do. I've been waiting for this okay. moment from the <laughs> yeah, moment we hit record. Oh God, I know what you're gonna down. do. <laughs> uh, well, guess guess first. So, what have you been up to? What you've been reading, watching? Tell me about it. <laughs> so, okay, so like, um, so I have been on vacation for the last like couple of weeks by this point. So I have not been like really like seriously watching or reading a whole lot but since I've been here with my beloved I was like you know I'm gonna throw her a bone and like we're gonna watch a a show that like she's really passionate about she's been trying to get me to watch I don't watch a lot of TV but I figured it was a great time because I actually don't have an HBO account anymore but we were gonna watch Chernobyl on HBO um, which is a five part mini series starring my favorite man in the whole wide world who was also on Mad Men, Jared Harris, and um, Stellan Skarsgård and Emily Watson, and they play like uh, people who were involved in the cleanup of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. Um, So this miniseries like really like put me through it. Like, (laughs) I think I spent like 48 hours in a fugue state, like just like, oh, Chernobyl. Oh, Jared Harris. Oh my god. Like 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 I just I genuinely can't remember like a solid like 48 hours of my vacation cuz after we watched Chernobyl cuz I was just like it's so good and it I I thought it was kind of appropriate for this podcast mm-hmm. even though this is the non-horror part of the podcast right. because it's really about like the the horror of like what mankind can do mm-hmm. to you know other men and also like our environment mm-hmm. and like just the ways that we deal with that and just like the processes that these guys took to like clean it up was really intense and like really brutal like really horrifying and um 
I don't know how they did it in five episodes, but it was really intense. And, like, again, I think Jared Harris gives a perfect performance in Mad Men as Lane Price. Please watch Mad Men, <laughs> listeners of this podcast. But, like, this is, like, this performance is so great, too, in that, like, there's, it's, it's, he plays subtlety really well, and just this character goes on a journey, and... It's hard to describe without just completely spoiling Chernobyl, but like, I just I really think that this is another one of his like most top notch performances, and I always have really loved him as a person and as an actor, and uh, I was just really happy that he was in the series and he just acted as a part of it. I just love him so Jared much. I love him. Very sweet. Uh, Jared Harris, if you're listening, we love you so much. We love you. so Oh much. Um, anyways, that, that was what that's what I've been watching. Um, I was trying to explain to some of my friends who Jared Harris was, and they like hadn't that's heard about beautiful. Chernobyl. And my first thought was just Mr. Deeds. No. <laughs> I feel like this is a really great. I feel like this is a, the perfect time to mention that um, during the the film festival that I work at, um, my boss and I we. We just turned on the TV in our office just for like white noise, and we were, it was literally all Adam Sandler movies. It was all that was on. And it was driving me absolutely crazy because, as you know, I am a complete cinephile, just totally crazy about cinema. And my boss is like, I like Adam Sandler movies. And so, like, and so, like, we're, well, I don't remember, I didn't remember which Adam Sandler movie this was. I have since learned it was Mr. Deeds. But I was walking past it, and I was like, Is that Jared Harris? Is that Jer? Is that Jer Bear? Jared? <laughs> and I like immediately like ran to my computer and like Googled Jared Harris, oh Adam Sandler, and Mr. Deeds popped up. And I was just like, uh, I was like, that sure was a look and a choice. From a, from a horror point of view, one thing I like about the show is that it has two of the themes that I also really enjoy in horror. And they are. Um, the humanity of making mistakes, mm, yeah. you know, erring, to err is human, but also the humanity in helping each other, to helping, you know, having this um, collective conscience as a human race, which I always thought was very interesting, and the, the horror, the like, um, I guess like, overtone of horror of knowing that you're going to die. Which I think is very, it's, it's, I think it's, it very much is a theme on the show, but it's also like something that I really enjoy in horror, horror uh, fiction is the idea that mm-hmm. yeah. uh, how does your life feel different when you know you don't have, you don't have a full life, you don't have a lot of, lot of uh, time anymore, and I think that's really interesting, and uh, that's why I like it too. I understand it is, uh, it is controversial in some way, but I. Um, that's that's how I choose to look at it. That it's about humanity, and it's also about like our collective consciousness over the planet and over each other, which I like. There's also a robot. <laughs> <laughs> also a robot, which I also like in horror. Yes. <laughs> I was about to go. This got really serious and very sweet, and it's like something's gonna break this and Sydney plus robots. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's I'm... just our dynamic in a relationship. Is she's like really serious, and then I come in like, "There's a robot." <laughs> that is hundred percent not true. <laughs> this was the longest I've ever gone without making a joke. That's true. <laughs> okay, what are you guys reading and watching? Um, do you want to do? you want to go, Kate? Sure. So I saw the Nightingale this week. Mm-hmm. Um. But di- written and directed by Jennifer Kent, who we did the Babadook episode about. Hey. Um, so this was her follow-up, and I've been fucking waiting for this. And this is... I should I should point out, it's not horror. Like, yeah. um, and I think a lot of... It got some criticism because of that. Like, people were just expecting another Babadook or something. But that's yeah. not what she set out to make, and that's not what it is. And it's... It is a very brutal movie. I should warn you, like, to not see it if you can't handle scenes of sexual assault. Um, because there's a few, um, and they're brutal as shit. Um, but it's just, like, ugh, it's such an incredibly made movie. The performances are so good. The two leads, um, because it's a kind of a... Well, I don't Jennifer Kent doesn't really consider it a revenge tale, but that's kind of the structure of it. 
is this um, this Irish girl in Tasmania in the 1800s, and then she hires this Aboriginal man to track the, these men that that um, like murdered her husband and child, and so it's like really heavy subject matter. And like yeah. even like when I was watching it, I'm like, this might be a one and done for me. Like even though it's really good, like I don't know if I can go through this again. And then by the end, I was like, I have to see this again. Oh <laughs> like it's just uh. Sydney, Sydney and I kind of talked about it a little bit, and was Sydney was better at words than I was <laughs> about it. But like, I think it's getting a lot of unfair flack, and so I feel like it, you should give it a chance if it's playing somewhere near you and you think you can handle the subject matter. So that's my take yeah. on it. I agree. I really love yeah. this movie a lot. It's my favorite movie. Hey. <laughs> More than Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't know. seen Rocket Man yet. Oh, Dexter Fletcher, God bless him. Uh, great job for that movie. Uh, um, now, what have you been consuming? <laughs> um, I watched the other day. I watched this movie called Stan and Ollie. It was about the Laurel and Hardy oh. pair uh, with uh, John C. Riley and oh shit, it's Steve, Steve Coogan, right? Yes, yes, that's him. Yes. Stephen Guggen. Um, it was very cute. I thought it was a very adorable. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Um, and it was, I had a good time watching it. It's one of those movies that you can, like, pop in and you can watch mm-hmm. it and you just, like, have a good time with it. Um, and I've been reading, uh, the book Columbine by, uh, David mm. Cullen. That shit is heavy, dude. Like, he's talking, uh, he, like, did so much research when he was, like, over nine years of research for this book, and he did, like, hundreds of interviews with, like, witnesses, and, like, looking at the television reports, and just everything, and he basically lines it up to how the day going up to it happened, and what happened, and then the aftermath of it all, and it's, like, it's, it is, like, really heavy, like, that this was, uh, that this was a thing that happened. It was, like, the most deadly school shooting, um, before it, you know, it got topped recently. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> that's great. Um, it's also that, it's the, it's the same one that had that, like, one of the shooters asked one of the people, one of the teens that was killed, you know, do you believe in God? And, like, she said yes. Um, and it was, like, a miscredited, uh, of who it was that said that, said, you know, that she believed in God. Because uh, a lot of these people that were involved um, were, like, very, like, religious people. Um, so it was just really interesting to read about that and just read about all the things that have happened since then. Uh, which is not, like, anything, really. So, like, no no yeah. difference in the gun yeah. control here. When was the book written? Because I've seen, uh, I've seen it It came around. out in 2009, I believe. Oh, God. Okay, so a lot of... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have nothing's changed. Cool. <laughs> it's just basically like, oh, so this is like you know, same same shit, a uh, different decade. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, I haven't been watching too much else. My friend gave me uh, a link to watch Chernobyl, so <laughs> I'm gonna get started on that ASAP because I love Jared Harris as well. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was the second Sherlock Holmes movie, and he's my favorite Moriarty. So. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> He's so good. He's so yes. good at Moriarty, I swear to God. He's, he's good in every role. Folks, watch, watch Madden on AMC. Um, oh, God. Yeah, right? I didn't get that hour and a half of my life back. Um, but no, yeah, like, besides uh, Natalie Dormer as uh, Moriarty in the elementary show, um, which just finished, and I'm completely upset about it because it's so good, and I'm just, I don't want to say goodbye yet. Uh, but it's, it's over now, and I'm just... I had to press the cancel series on my recording schedule, and I was like, this hurts! <laughs> Dude, I don't like this. I'm gonna be real with you, Elle. I did not know that show was still on, and when I saw you talk about it, I was like, oh! <laughs> it was one of my few shows that I've ever, like, started that was still, like... Like, I started it when it came on, uh-huh. and, like, I followed it all the way to the end when there's, like, other shows that I, like, I picked up and it was, like, on season three or something mm-hmm. and then I started watching it and I was, like, eh, n- no, and I just drop it. But, like, I watched this from beginning to end and I'm, like, this has been a ride and I've, it's just so good. Like, it's, it's very under, like, underappreciated in terms of, like, an adaption, modern adaption of Sherlock Holmes. We don't talk about the BBC series. That sucks ass. 
I'm just saying it now. I've never <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't know what you're all talking about. Um, so I just, I just think Johnny Lee Miller is like the perfect Sherlock Holmes, and that's that's that on that. So uh, we're gonna watch some Chernobyl and get more uh, Jared Harris content in here. Hey, and we gotta I'm do a Jared really Harris movie on here. That. This yeah. seems to be the Jared Harris podcast now, so we'll do something. <laughs> <laughs> Find a horror movie with Jared Harris. There, there oh, is one that I just it. mentioned. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sitting through Poltergeist 2015 again. I don't remember anything. All right. <laughs> so you're clearly not a real Jared Harris fan. Is oh what my you're god! Telling me. You're not a Jer Bear. I'm sorry, Jer Bear. That is the name I just. That's the name I just made up for fans of Jer Bear. Uh, copyright. Co- yeah, copyright. Well, I, I kind of want to do like a horror TV episode or something, so maybe we can mention the terror or something, and even Chernobyl and get Jared in there. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. It's good shit. I really want to watch that. I mentioned it That's on one down before, so I won't go too into it, but it's, it's good shit. As a as a listener, I knew that. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I also know that you mentioned it in one of your earlier podcasts, Under True Crime. We did, yeah! We did. (laughs) did, yes. Deep cuts. Alright, well... I'm the number one. I'm the number one fan. You are, OG. (laughs) You and and Carter are like our number ones popping out for us, so thank you. You are stopping for horror time. (laughs) Every week. Oh my god. That is true. Well, thank you guys so much yeah. for coming on. Um, we know it's getting late over there for you since you're like 10 hours ahead or so. I mean, About no, that. it's 10 p.m., you know. Oh, it's right. 10? Okay, good. Because I was like, I hope we're not keeping it's you guys It's only late. 10 p.m. Woo! It's, yeah, it's not too bad. The night is still young. Yeah, we could probably fit like three episodes of Chernobyl into our into oh, our calendar right. for tonight before we get to go to sleep. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yes. she was going through it for 48 hours after the show, so I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> thank you for having us, yeah. and thank you for letting me talk for, like, I feel like it was 10 unsolicited minutes about yeah, had, John please. Cassavetes. <laughs> yeah, I had, like, a bunch of things I was going to go through, but I didn't oh, want to interrupt. Oh, sorry. She was so <laughs> Wow. Yeah, we've never had this many people, huh? so we don't know, I don't, just, uh, just start talking and hope <laughs> other people won't talk over you, I guess. <laughs> no. It's um, it, this was a, so much fun. Yeah. Thank you for having do you us. Want, do you want to promote yeah. your socials or Amazing. tell people where to find you at all? Or do you want to stay hidden? Here, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, Sydney, you go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Gay and Bitter. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter at Jocks Laughing. That's a Breaking Bad reference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm at Panzer Alliance on Twitter. The name Gay Mafia. You'll find me. And then yes, and I'm at LM Designs on Twitter as well. And you can find the podcast at Horror Time Pod on Twitter and Hor- uh, Stop Horror Time Pod on Facebook. Or just send us an email at stophorrortime at gmail So thank you guys so much for coming on. And I hope we get you guys back soon. Yeah, we'd love to. It would be so much fun. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, guys. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.